I did clap a little early. It sound. I mean, kind of, it felt early. I clapped like half a second early. Well, so, what are you just trying to fine. show off? <laughs> like, <what are> you... <laughs> I didn't mean to. I was just, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'm not that punctual. Yeah. <laughs> do we do it again? Is that, what do we do? That, no, no, no. It's okay. Fine. It'll, okay. It'll be okay for the, the audience. Do you remember that joke in Arrested Development where uh, George Michael's trying to convince, I think maybe that he should join her band mm-hmm. uh, and he wants to be on triangle just percussion mm-hmm. and he's like i'm very punctual i'm always on time <laughs> she's like i don't think that's a related skill <laughs> the year is 2005 i'm dave i'm zach and this is my marvelous year Welcome to My Marvelous Year, the podcast and reading club where we go through the history of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. You are listening to 2005 Part 3. We are going through all of the most essential Marvel Comics of 2005. Today we're going to be talking about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, and Iron Man Extremis. Some hugely influential, hugely memorable, and successful fan favorite runs kicking off right here. I am joined today. Did I introduce myself? I'm joined. To, I'm joined by myself. Let's do a little self love first. I'm Dave. Hello, welcome. Debusing founder, editor in chief of ComicBookHerald.com. You can find my works on all Comic Book Herald properties, as well as my marvelous year. Now, when I started Comic Book Herald, not a lot of people know this, but there was a, there was an earlier version of CBH. It was called Odin's Thunderbolts. This is true, and Odin's Thunderbolts. Uh, I had a partner. He was a young teen boy, nubile young teen, and okay. uh, he <laughs> he uh, he worked on it with me. And he was he was a really he was really good at fighting trolls in the comments. Was kind of his skill set. He was very good. He was very sensitive and took it very hard. Um, but his natural troll fighting skills were excellent. Unfortunately, he was lost to the trolls. They did win, and they drove him uh, to madness. And, and I never heard from him again. And I, I felt tremendous guilt about that. I think in part you could say that's why Comic Book Herald, why I've stayed with it, why I've been consistent with it, you know, definitely that guilt drives me to produce a good product because I know it's what he would have wanted. Um, but you know what? Before this episode, I went down to the local creek and I, and I found under the thin layers of ice here in the, the cold Chicago winter that's coming, I found Zach Dean. Lying there, mobile man. Missing. <laughs> he's an older man. He's got real long hair. He's uh, he's missing an arm. So I gave him. I gave him one of those uh, elderly grabbers. You know where you <laughs> where you can pick things up so you don't have to bend down. I gave him one of those for an arm. And Zach, welcome back. It's good to have you. Thank you. My I did just get a haircut, and my right arm is sore because I slept on it a little weird. So like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I do feel very Winter Soldier. What it would be pretty funny if. No, that doesn't make sense. I was gonna say if Bucky came back and he was no, it could he could be old if he did. I mean, just he come is old. He just old. doesn't look and act old. No, but yeah, if he had like 
you know, if Winter Soldier reemerged and they'd kept him out of the ice long enough that he was like 80 years old. <laughs> I mean, you're <laughs> also, good, you're really, we're really diving into spoilers here. I, so. You know what? He, Clearly I we say, need to give a yeah, spoiler. Yeah. I mean, technically, yes, I, we ge- should. Generally, I say, I'd say yes. I've actually been kind of lax on like enforcing this as a spoiler thing in the Slack yeah. up, over anything because it's like, I think just with the MCU, everyone knows. I think I, like we've had people who were shocked that Gwen Stacy died. Yeah, sure. But like that, okay, spoil- that is spoilers not as- for Gwen, by the way. Sorry, sorry, Gwen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but like, I I think anyone who is into these, especially if you're this far along, if you haven't seen the MCU movies, I'd be shocked. So this always happens if, where yeah. you know I'll say like, okay, listen, if you're the person who fits yeah, yeah, yeah. this very impossible group, and then I hear from like four people, and they're like, you know, and they're like, yeah, that that was me. Well, also, they're listening um, to this episode, which is about these comics, so it's you know. I'm just saying, if yeah. you're the person who doesn't know, didn't know the Winter Soldier uh, secret, quote unquote, yeah. uh-huh. I would love for you to write in <laughs> and tell us how you avoided both the MCU and the comics. To date in 2023, you can write us at mymarvelousyear@gmail.com. You can back us at Patreon.com/slash/mymarvelousyear and tell us that way. You can tell us in an iTunes review. Look at this, Zach. Mm. I'm getting information I want and doing promo for the podcast at the same time. <laughs> it was good. Yeah. That is. Uh, can I? Before we go any further, I mm-hmm. do need to. I, I try not to like. Um, I've tried to get really out of the habit of correcting pronunciation. uh, (laughs) which which would really uh would really bog down this podcast in particular yeah sure be all you'd be doing uh although i I do feel like i do have to say because you did call a young boy nubile but nubile (laughs) does just mean uh like sexually mature and attractive i feel like maybe you thought it means something else i don't know what it means that's a deadpool joke that i took from great lakes avengers um in the mid-2000s i think from this year maybe uh so if i should stop calling teens nubile yeah, perhaps tell me that. Perhaps, it is. Yeah, that's why. Clarify that. Maybe virile is what you meant, which just means kind of you know like healthful. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wrong. Now, I mean, is, that, now is nubile how you like, say that word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fine. Now I'm what that. I'm what I was saying was n e w b i l e. They're so young mm. that they're developing new bile, oh, which is what is nice. rising in all of our throats. The longer this conversation <laughs> I goes, I don't like that. Yeah, yeah. I do have a little cold actually, so I'm. A little raspy, that's why. Yeah, you got a little nubile in your throat. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> um, all right, let's let's talk about this comic. Uh, it's really good, Dave. Uh, Winter Soldier. Dave yeah. Brubaker. Yeah. It's been really hyped for me. Um, this is probably one of the... This this is the thing I've been looking forward to the most for a couple of years. I think you've said that I think. before. More yeah. than... And, and, you know, it's because I really like Brubaker and his, like, crime comics. So, I like, I know the... The creator, I've never read any of his superhero stuff. I know he goes on to do a bunch of superhero stuff. Oh, that's not true. I've read his um, well, you read Gotham Sleeper. Central. Okay, Sleeper, Gotham I Central. Guess Sleeper's kind of superhero, but not really. It's it's a weird book. But yeah, I like Sleeper, um, Gotham Central. But I have not read any of his like mainline superhero stuff. Like, straight down the middle, him just doing like Captain America. Or I think he does Avengers later, right? Or Fantastic Four. Um, so, so in the Marvel universe captain america is where he starts and definitely captain america is when people talk about ed brubaker marvel it's cap i mean he owns captain america for a good long while here he does also write uncanny x-men he writes secret Mm -hmm. avengers um daredevil is is actually that's that's actually the alternate contender we're gonna be talking about daredevil in 2006 uh but on dc he actually writes batman for a long time and i feel like this is maybe the most overlooked part 
of his his catalog, um, mm-hmm. especially given that it's flipping Batman, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because the creator own work with Sean Phillips in the criminal verse is mm-hmm. so good and such an yep. institution at this point. And then the Cap stuff comes out and it's so strong. And Gotham Central is so well recognized that the fact that Brubaker wrote just like a straight up bat, like I actually had never read it. I went back to read his Batman stuff, which starts in 2000 um, before oh, this. Because wow. okay. I was yeah. I was actually, I was like, you know what? I've never done that. I'm, cur- I'm curious what his Batman looked like and kind of what the progression was to get him to a place then where he steps into a Captain America title and completely owns it, right? And completely... Like, like becomes just a superstar because that was definitely not the trajectory that Batman was on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the exception of Gotham Central, which I think does does begin that. Gotham Central is before uh, Captain America Winter Soldier. That starts in 2003, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this comes out, obviously, starts in 2005 and, and it's 2006. So, uh, and then Criminal Criminal is 2006, which actually is yeah. like, was news to me. I think I had assumed Criminal came a little earlier but yeah no, criminal actually launched you know it's an it's image publishes the books now but um criminal actually launched as part of marvel's epic imprint which was their attempt oh really i, I think so that. i think so as it was part of their attempt to you know create a vertigo um to to have what was their what was their 80s i guess the original graphic novel lines didn't they have yeah. didn't they have an imprint there I, too? icon imprint icon the marvel icon imprint yeah 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 so i, well, I that's think... what that's what this was yeah well weird i didn't know about this oh maybe i'm they mixing it with good... epic yeah you are but i think like, bendis's power because I, I think you know they kind of realized in the 2000s like okay we've got all these it's all mark miller stuff it's like hit girl kick-ass power yeah uh, yeah they're like we yeah. have these creators doing marvel stuff and they obviously have other outlets how can we double dip on that and for like it would be an interesting topic in and of itself because I've never done a deep dive on it because um, it, it has a lot of really successful books, but then it never... Yeah, yeah Casanova by Matt Fraction. Like, wow, yeah. there's a lot of stuff here that I'm like, I had no idea it started out as... Yeah, uh, but you never think of it as like, Marvel oh, this is when their vertigo yeah. begins, you know? I think of all these as like Image or some other indie. Right. I think, yeah, if right. they got sold, I guess. So. They did, yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I mean, I came here with the... expect. Here's the, the expectations I had. Which is that I was, or the the question I had was, I was really curious how Ed Brubaker's style, which feels really distinct in everything I've read, I guess it's, you know, stuff that comes later, but how I've read it with Criminal and Sleeper and I guess Gotham Central is that like, he's a really distinct, like, auteurist writer. I I mean that in, I I don't know, that's probably a better word for that, but he's got a really distinct voice Mm -hmm. and he has a style that you generally recognize, like he is pitch black very cynical and like oh. i mean noir the noir comparisons but i think there's a vein of humanity that runs through his stuff um that lightens it from just being like totally it's i guess maybe bleak instead of cynical is a better word these are um, these are interesting words because they're none of the words yeah. i would use <laughs> you wouldn't say that criminal is bleak i would not call i, I would not call brubaker's yeah. work bleak i would definitely not call it cynical First of all, I, I actually think, I think he's a pretty open, fa- yeah, maybe like writer. fatalist. Uh, I mean, it's all all description descriptors I'd use for like noir, right? It's all very okay. Like, yeah, yeah. No, I see where you're going because you know, it's doomed men, doomed by you know. No matter you, know, you can try to escape your circumstances, you can yeah. try to escape your mistakes, but they'll always come back to haunt you, and you'll just hurt yourself and the people around you. And you know, like you can see the humanity of like people fighting. Yeah, yeah, better, yeah. But like you know, the escape is just not there yeah no i think i think bleak might actually work and you know what i think it kind of works it feels harsher maybe than 
than we think of. But like Captain America, like this is a dark work. Um, mm. I think literally, like everyone is kind of cloaked in shadow and it's very mysterious and spy intrigue, but it is also, it's heavy. And I think mm-hmm. that's one thing I noticed with both this launch of Cap and then the Iron Man Extremist stuff by Warren Ellis and A.D. Granov is there's kind of two things happening at once. One is post Avengers Disassembled, there's a real sense that creators and creative teams are going to get to step in and establish a modernized vision for these Marvel icons. You can just feel that in the water, you know? Um, And some of that is hindsight. We know things that go on to become big. Uh, But I think just look across Cap, Iron Man, Thor coming. Obviously, Daredevil's already had a moment. You can just kind of feel like, oh, these these books are primed for Black Panther, which we're going to talk about, the Reginald Heldon run. Like, there's a real sense of, like, giving creators keys to the kingdom and kind of establishing, okay, who is this character in the 2000s? You know, it doesn't feel, it feels super modernized. It feels post-authority. It feels (laughs) post-ultimates. It doesn't feel like the Heroes Reborn 1998 stuff where you have the Busiak-Perez throwback Avengers, right? Like it doesn't feel like all those conversations happen in daylight. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like they don't take on darker stories like Ultron Unlimited, for example. Bad things happen, um, but those are Avengers stories set in the sun. <laughs> and this is a Captain yeah. America mm-hmm. set in dark rooms with with challenging subject matters, I suppose. Um, they just, it's a it's a corny thing to say, and I'm I'm fighting myself as I say it. Do it. Do it. It's more adult. It feels yeah. mature. Uh, okay. Okay. Go ahead. I, I agree with all this. Here's the thing that shocked me about this book and like delighted me about this book is that it's all those things. It remains Brubaker's like, it feels like a Brubaker book. It feels like he's bringing all of his personal like interests and, uh, and stylistic quirks to this comic. And at the same time, the surprising thing is it is deeply entrenched in Captain America yeah. history. Yeah. That is what shocked me about this. I expected, and we'll, I think the comparison point, like Iron Man uh, Extremis being paired with this is really good because that is one where Warren Ellis is like, yeah, hey, I didn't read any Iron Man comics. Uh, and you can tell, and it's a book that you can, it's one of the reasons, I spoiler, I do not like Extremis very much. Okay. You can, you can hand anyone Extremis as their first Iron Man comic. It really, it functions fine on that level. I mm-hmm. think it becomes the like onboarding point for a lot of people. Yeah. I think you can also hand Captain America Winter Soldier to people and beyond the fact that like it's so enmeshed in that history, it will still invite them in rather than seeming like an intimidating bunch of homework. I yeah. think it's like one of those perfect I mean this this is like how you do it, you know. You you reference the history without making it seem like people are gonna be like, Oh man, I I feel like I'm missing something. I got to go read the, you know, let, let me pull a comic book Herald and do a Captain America reading order before right, I read right, this. Right. Cause like, you know, people sends you scrambling cause you feel like you're missing a bunch of stuff. I don't think so. I think you can totally just read through all of this. And at the same time, you're like, wow, there's a rich history here. It'd be cool if I went back and read that. Like, um, it is the plutonic ideal version of like what Wade and Ringo were doing on Fantastic Four for me because it is again it's still it mm. references that history it's in love with that history but it is not just emulating that which is also what i love like it takes all that history and then folds it into like 
a new era for Captain America and a new style for him, which is like so cool when you can like honor the past and push it forward, right? Like yeah. do those things simultaneously. And like I like the way Durango run just fine, but like it's just it keeps that one foot in the past just a little too much for me mm-hmm. to like fully fall for it. So I think it's a great uh, point. Yeah. I think totally Steve Epting's style and consistency throughout this work is definitely a huge part of why this book feels like it has more of a foot in the future, even as it's doing callbacks. I think it's because stylistically it is, first off, it is just like perfect. Like it just like everything about this, the way characters, like I said, are cloaked in shadow, the action, um, everything. Well, there's like, a, there's like, a realism to it. I'll argue with you on that later. Well, you'll be wrong, but it, there's okay. a realism to it and a darkness to it and a grittiness that feels of the moment. It feels post hitch. Um, I think in all the right ways, I think, especially yeah. as we look at this compared to, you know, other creators coming in and they get to own their runs. You know, I mentioned obviously Iron Man Extremis we're going to go into where A.D. Granov is doing something that feels very much of the era, I think, um, of this kind of digitized painterly style. And yeah. it really called the, the fact and I don't I don't like that style much in retrospect, like especially 20, you know, 15 years later here. Um, but it feels of the era. And I think one thing that I appreciate a lot, like you look at Alex Ross, right? Celebrated artist, right? You look at Marvel. look at him every day. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and it's- The picture I have hanging above. Well, it'd be day. very easy to imagine being like, oh, this was the the moment when artists were really into these painterly illustrations. And like, that mm-hmm. was an era. Yeah. But you don't, that's not what people say about Alex Ross because he owns it and it's so successful that it doesn't feel like it's tied to a movement or something. It doesn't no, feel like it's tied singular, to a year. Yeah. It's just like a successful evergreen style. I think Steve Epting is closer to that. The style is totally different than Alex Ross, right? But it, I think it's closer to that where like if you picked up these books today and this mm-hmm. was the new Captain America run, you would you would think they were new comics. You would have oh, no reason yeah, not it, to. The comic feels totally like timeless in all the best ways. Yes. Right? It does not feel – you're not like – Oh, this is a 2005 ass comic. Like, yeah. Whereas I think, bit, you know, New yeah. Avengers, which kind of is is working to set the template and it's working to reimagine what the Avengers are in the same way with Bendis and David Finch. I think mm-hmm. that feels Finch's style to me feels more rooted in 2005. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think Epting's does not. And I think that's and then Brubaker's style is he ha, he is tapping in here to kind of these. You know, from Gotham Central on, it's like a 20-year run of just, like, he just writes this timeless, laconic, like, he just makes it look easy. Laconic, that's a good word for it. Yeah, for sure. No, he, like, he writes this nubile, laconic, like, style. <laughs> and um, it's just, it's it's so inviting. Um, he, it, it's actually not there as much on cap as I thought it was going to be, but kind of a sparse use of narration. But just mm-hmm. you know, I think I think one thing that I, I, I love Brubaker as a creator. I friend of Comic Herald. I mean, obviously like one of my best friends personally. Um, mm-hmm. But I yeah, me too. <laughs> I uh, I love his style. But one thing he's incredible at is he knows what to give you, and I think that ties into your point, Zach, where he knows what information to convey in like the fewest amount of words often, mm-hmm. and he yeah. knows what information to convey in Captain America's history in the fewest amount of pages, so that yeah. you are not bogged down. In the continuity, but if you love Cap and you want to play continuity baseball, it's actually really rich. You can do yeah. that. Oh. And the other thing that he's tapping into here, which is, 
I think a Brubaker favorite, it's going to be a favorite of the 2000s as well. I mentioned it before, is revisionist history, right? This is the era. This is the most successful example of Marvel revisionist history where you yeah, take. I wanted to bring that up. Yeah. Yeah. You take a super well-known thing that happened in the past, the death of Bucky Barnes, right? This motivating factor, one of, I think, historically like two to three characters in Marvel canon that you say, well, they're not coming back. His Uncle Ben. It's like Uncle Bucky, Ben, right? Yeah. And, and maybe Gwen, even though Gwen comes Gwen, back. Gwen, and then like times. Batman's parents. Batman's you know? parents, like, even though they come. Yeah. Like, the only, I think the, at this Excuse point. Excuse me, even though they what? <laughs> at this point, the only character I actually haven't seen come back, Zach, I think is Uncle Ben. Um, yeah. And. Bruce Baker could do it. He could do it. I, well, no, I'm here for 2024 <laughs> Ultimate Universe doing yeah. the Green God Ben, where you have oh, Uncle Ben is the Green Goblin. I'm here for that. <laughs> what an idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, for the pun. <laughs> but, you know, it's kind of a it's kind of a sacred institution, right? In Marvel history is like Bucky died, that motivates Cap. Rick Jones puts on his costume like a big weirdo. <laughs> and things go from there, right? Uh but Brubaker says, "Well, let's look at that history more closely," right? Because now in the 2000s, we have like it's every, every memory of Cap in World War II is, like, open for interpretation. Like, there's nothing cemented. There's nothing codified in comics about Cap's actual World War II experience. I know literally mm-hmm. that's not true. There were comics by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon coming out. But, no, like, those are not canonized. Those are not collected. People are not talking about those in mm-hmm. 2005, right? Except for the, the notion of them, the general concept of them. They're not talking about this. And even sense. those get really weird and confused because, like, the Kirby run – <clears throat> ends with that i think with bucky dying and cap maybe like seemingly dying right but canonically he goes in the ice um yeah but then captain america comics just keep going in the 50s right right and then you have steve Englehart have that incredible comic from like 70 i mm-hmm. think it's mm-hmm. like 1970 yeah. early 70s where he's like you know integrates here's a whole new captain america there was this like right-wing conservative cap and bucky that come in in the 50s and that was a you know like trying to take weird publishing stuff and then fold it into (coughs) an interesting like canonical you know the storyline right um and then that leads into like that bucky becomes nomad and then that guy leads into this right like it's all yeah yeah so and then there's a bunch of other captain americas there's what like Minuteman, and there's a few others mentioned here um some of which I knew because I've read a ton of Captain America comics. Like I really, you've probably read more Cap than I have. You did a, you did more of a straight through read. I still haven't done like the full. Um, oh God, uh, the nineties, eighties into nineties guy. Grunwald. His yeah, Grunwald is still like probably the big run. I haven't. Uh, I've read most of that. Sat down with yeah. yeah so you probably read more. Um, but like. I knew a ton of these old throwback like references and stuff, but even so, I was like, "Who's that guy?" Like, yeah, that's interesting. I wonder. Well, that's the thing is, like, even as a as a Marvel buff, you know, tell me the people who are when when oh, Cap goes <laughs> to visit the desecrated graves of yeah, yeah two yeah. former Caps. How many readers are like, "Oh yeah, I remember them." You know what I mean? Like that is that's a pull. The fact yeah. that Brubaker is yeah, weaving yeah. that into the story in a way too that doesn't make you pause and be like, "You're not confused by it." It's yeah, very quickly explained yeah. in these flashbacks, all set in grayscale. You know, I, I think the one thing Brubaker and Epting are doing there so successfully, too, is like they're building Cap's character. You know, they are not just playing reference baseball to show off their homework. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They are showing what this man has been through. Um, 
and and now trying to live through post 9/11 America with the insanity of a red skull with a cosmic cube back and and the revelation that his longtime ally thought dead now for 80 years may have been turned into the ultimate Soviet assassin and brainwashed, you know? Um, but it's like, it builds, it builds the universe. It builds the world. And I think that's why Brubaker and Epting, like they are, they are the definitive Captain America writers of, I mean, the last 30 years. Um, yeah. Because, you know, I give, I give Greenwald a lot of credit, right? So I wouldn't run it back to like 40 because I think Greenwald's 80 stuff is quite, quite important. Um, but it's like, they just, they're so, they're, they're owning this universe so wholly, you know, like there's no corner that's untouched. It's, it's really quite impressive there. Yeah. I mean, we, we can, maybe we should talk a little bit about the, the actual plot of this. I mean, we don't need to get into the mechanics of like how Bucky comes back. It's actually, if you've seen Winter Soldier, it's not dis that dissimilar, except that it's not Hydra. It's, um, it's like a USSR guy who is now, um, like post fall of USSR, uh, still using Bucky and then was he it's been a bit since I read these he, he sells him off like as uh, he's like found in a warehouse yeah it's it's a cool it's it's very much like the Americans kind of sense of like post fall of the USSR you still have Soviets who have all this power and intelligence you know through the KGB right yeah. and there's this warehouse full of like you know they they own the Winter Soldier and all these gadgets and gizmos and Marvel artifacts and those sorts of things. The Red Skull learns of the existence of the Winter Soldier. He wants it. I think the one thing he won't trade for it is the Cosmic Cube, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because the, the guy's Skull like, is always obsessed with that. He's not for sale unless you give me the Cosmic Cube. Yeah, the, the like, character you're referencing here is, uh, what is he, Alexander Lukin? Um, yeah, that sounds right. He's a more competent Putin, I guess. Um, he's, you know, he's this USSR <laughs> wants to restore Russia to its former yeah. glory kind of shadowy character. He's a really good villain to, I mean, that's, I guess, yeah, narratively too, like this run kicks off with what feels like, okay, it's another big Red Skull story. It's cool though. Okay. You know, I was psyched, I, especially the way Steve Epting draws Red Skull. Yeah. 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 He looks so cool. He's no longer like this smooth like, the skull's no longer smooth, I guess. The skull is no longer smooth, Dave. <laughs> so like, I, I, the second time I said that, I felt like a crazy person, so I had to do it the third time <laughs> to, like, to own the You have to accentuate but, it, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he doesn't draw it like that Jack Kirby. Like, this is just a bright red skull. I like, I, like I like gross it, red skull. I like creepy. It's like a, gr yeah, yeah, it kind of looks like there's still, like, a little tissue, like, holding his teeth in. Mm -hmm. Like, he has mm -hmm. a tiny bit of gums left. And then, like, the the skull is, as <laughs> aforementioned, not smooth. It's all craggy like stone. It looks, like, slightly chipped. Um, he just looks so creepy. <laughs> tell, tell me more about the texture of the it's, skull. I love the texture <laughs> of the skull. I mean, Steve Epting does texture really well. He so does. that is something to call yeah. out. Like, everything here looks very rough and, um, I wouldn't say wet. It looks grimy. It looks dirty. Well, you did spill um, a big cup of coffee on your issues it was very wet reading <laughs> it does look like he did have coffee poured over his skull and then you let it dry so it kind of looks like caked with that yeah. um well and that's how he's able to do he's so caffeinated when you just absorb it through the texture of a, a red skull oh man you're you're able to you're able to follow around steve rogers plot things out with the cosmic cube okay most well, people don't know so your, so where i was going with yeah. that is yes you're right i love that it, it it's a great way to intro it but i think the coolest thing that brubaker and epting do is they say, but this is not that story. Psych. 
right? Yeah. Yes, it's a psych. It's a fake out. The end of issue one ends with Red Skull being sniped as he attempts to use the Cosmic Cube. It is stolen. Mother Knight is killed in an attack. Um, and there's just there's this sense of like, no, we're not just we're not just going to replay the hits. We're going to spin this a little for you. Uh, that's what you need. That's great. Two thousands. You should be doing that, right? Take a new look. Take a new angle. Listen, as the 14 issues progress, by the time we get to issue 14, it's clear, like, okay, we're not just doing away with the Red Skull. We're not crazy people, <laughs> right? Like, yes, there is yeah. a presence and, and you know, a a legacy and a history to arch enemies that you can't quite replicate with other people. It, there's value in keeping them around. But I think throwing us off that scent is very, very smart. There's a sense that it's like, no, we're building something a little bit new. A little bit different. I personally love the Cosmic Cube, Zach. Um, I I think it's amazing. It led to some of my. It has led to some of my favorite stories. Uh, just this, the idea of this magical wishing cube is one of my favorite Kirbyisms. I think in Marvel. Um, I've said this before, but you know, one of the oldest comics I have framed on my wall is the final issue of when Cap takes the cube from the Red Skull mm-hmm. in uh, good. in Tales of Suspense. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, so I, I have no problems with it. I think, uh, Brubaker and Epting understand you have to make this thing, uh, you have to make use of this sparse, you know, you cannot have somebody just walking around with the cube, owning it all the time without creating just a straight up alternate reality story, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so they, they make it, they, they give it a cost. They make it seem kind of cursed. It was a monkey monkey's paw effect that I think Lucan is realizing as he attempts to use it. And uh, so it's a MacGuffin, yes, but it is like it, the story gets to play out without overuse of the cube. What it's is a good what balance. an interesting arc that Lucan like comes to the wiser realization than Red Skull. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That that he's like, you know, I finally get it. Like this just destroys you. You can't actually use this. Like him, you know. How many times have we seen? You know, no, you can't use that power. Like it will destroy you. Like it corrupts you fully and then mm-hmm. it corrupts them fully and you know of course it plays out that way but to actually have the villain be like oh wait no no i get it now like i really get it yeah and then to set set it aside because you know the red skull that's the classic thing he gets the cosmic cube and then he just kind of <laughs> faffs around with it for a while it's the ultimate irony of the skull is he's yeah. had the cube yeah. multiple times and he's never yeah. <laughs> and he's always stopped by captain america and i think i think well and himself right i think both him and thanos have had stories where they both have like been like do it do I self-sabotage? Like, is this, you know, do I, I think with the skull, about this? with the skull, it's a yeah. little different. Cause like, so Dr. Doom and Thanos do that thing because they are, are noble supervillains. Mm. They have these moments of self-sabotage. They will ultimately undo accumulating all of the power that they have grabbed because of their vulnerable cores. The red skull is so pure evil that you can't really get away with that. You cannot yeah, do that sure. the same way. So, like, you know, in the example of the Tales of Suspense by Lee and Kirby, the skull doesn't, like, have a moment of emotion. He's just gloating, <laughs> right? He's putting gold crowns on his head and gets distracted <laughs> yeah. by wearing too much golden armor <laughs> because he's trying to gloat and lord this over Cap. Like, that, to me, is the perfect use of the skull self-sabotage. Now, that's not really how anything plays out here, frankly. Um, you know, he's... He's, I guess it is the thing, too, of like, you know, the Red Skull has these plans. He's literally just staring at the cube, and he's like, he's trying to get everything right. I guess it actually is happening, mm-hmm. because he's he could just use the cube at any point. 
Yeah, but he's like, you know, this will be deliciously doled yes. out over the course of weeks. Yes. <laughs> right, my revenge. He's, he's making yeah. it perfect. So. And then and then he gets murked by uh, Winter Soldier. Yeah. Which we find out much later. Uh, you know, I was actually kind of surprised. Here's something. Uh, I was not around for this story. I mean, I was alive when this story was coming out, but I was not keeping up with it. And I'm assuming you were not reading this, like, week to week either. No, absolutely uh, not. Month to month. Yeah. yeah. So do you think... What do... <sighs> How obvious do you think it was that this is Bucky? Because mm, to me, yeah. reading it, it, you know, with the the knowledge that like it is Bucky, uh, as coming back as Winter Soldier, it screams, "It's Bucky! It's Bucky!" Like he's, it's Bucky <laughs> the whole time. I'm like, how yeah. did, people, did people really not know? Uh, I'm assuming people guessed pretty early on. And maybe I mean, Brubaker, just... all the seat. Oh, sorry. Go ahead and finish. Well, maybe it was just the suspense of. Well, he wouldn't do that, would he? Right. Like, that held people back from really knowing, for sure. Like, really just being like, oh, well, it's going to be, you know, Bucky Barnes. Like, maybe just the fact that it would be like, well, he wouldn't do that because that would be crazy. Like, you don't bring back Bucky. Uh, you know, maybe he was dancing on that. But it is interesting because, like, I can't, you can't replicate the feeling of what the the suspense of this mystery, you know, would have felt like at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't I, – I yeah. think one of the amazing things about it is – it works so well without the mystery being important. Like it's not sure. yeah. Yeah. a mystery of, is this actually Bucky is not vital to appreciating and enjoying these comics, you know, like mm-hmm. even knowing, going into it, knowing it's Bucky, which again, it's hard to imagine anyone not doing at this point. Um, it's still well worthwhile, which is, you know, often not true of mystery. Um, I think, Yes, it's impossible to go back in in time. I think your theory there that probably a lot of the suspense would have been, okay, Cap's talking a ton about Bucky. He's having dreams about Bucky. (laughs) We're having flashbacks. Clearly, all the seeds are being planted for this to be tied to Bucky, right? Um, But then I think you'd still have maybe some doubt about, well, they're making it too obvious. So is it really him or is there going to be a twist? We are not that far removed from the Clone Saga. I can't, you know, I have to think that is... Some sort of Marvel, you know, sci-fi twist to make it not actual Bucky, right? Mm -hmm. I think is very much in play, especially through the first six issues. And then once you get to the Soviets finding Buck, the Red Room, his development, um, them using him as an assassin, Nick Fury giving the whole speech about the myth of the Winter Soldier. You know, I think at that point it's pretty, pretty confirmed. Uh, But it's, you know, then because it's I think the important thing here is the, the story is not, is it Bucky? The story is, what does Steve do about the fact that it is Bucky? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of the right. the emotional core. Yeah, he roots it right in the emotions of Captain America, who also is having a hard time, right? Like, he is kind of going the Daredevil route. He's hit punching a little too hard. He's enjoying the violence I thought, a little I, too I much. I actually think that like, stuff didn't work. What did you think really? about that? I, I didn't really, I wasn't feeling that. I don't know. It didn't, like, I guess I didn't, it didn't grab me like it does with Daredevil, generally, but I didn't dislike it. You know, I, I think... I think also... It didn't feel grounded in this run. It feels like maybe more of a reaction to the immediate post-9-11 comics of Cap just punching out terrorists, you know? But I'm not sure if it's that kind of meta-commentary or not. I I don't know. Brubaker does does push Captain America into darker territory and being like... One of the things he does kind of retcon is like, you know, the Captain America who's on the battlefield of World War II, who's like being like... But don't shoot. Like, we can disable all these men. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> right. Well, and like, having a certainly... 16-year-old sidekick. How about that? Yeah, he's a little older, right? He's 
what 17 18 something like that or is he 16 is that no they said? they I, say okay. when he meets buck he's like well he says he's 16 like there's a sense yeah. of like he lied about his age to get into the army and then yeah, uh yeah, but yeah. then the generals or whoever's talking to cap is kind of like well who you know he's not who how many people do we know who've done that just kind of a sense of like well there's probably a lot of children <laughs> in this military yeah yeah a know? lot of like older teens who snuck in and then they also talk about bucky being like he he's the guy that we send in stealthily ahead to you know slit a th- few throats to like you know uh to, to stop the the like forward guard from spotting us right like he totally undoes you know he, he leans into like world war Two. like they're killing people and it's horrible and it's war and you know it's it he, he kind of undoes some of the golden age that feels pretty um, vital to me censorship in terms of the maturation. yeah it's also yeah i mean it, it especially and it, it doesn't feel it works here because it doesn't feel like that like you know yeah actually in the 60s like the x-men team was like having sex and doing drugs and killing people right <laughs> it's right, not, right. Like, redoing it it's like yeah in world war ii <laughs> it's like rooting it in the reality of world war ii which like due to censorship stuff the old comics had to you know play down right so yeah that's an I, interesting I that, point that you make because yeah. i think that highlights why this example of revisionist history works so well because yeah. it's grounded in actual history and kind of trying to reflect a little more of the reality of world war ii not being this glamorized cat bucky you know, golden age fiasco and being a war with horrible things yeah, happening. Yeah. Um, and, and like what kind of, what kind of kid with Bucky would you have to have been to have been useful? <laughs> what kind of things would yeah, you have yeah, to have done? Yeah. You know, yeah, um, that yeah. feels like a dose of realism still set within the, the supernatural of a super soldier. Right. And Buck is obviously, you know, he is the ultimate 16 year old fighting child. Like it is not, you know, he's it's like he's super equipped for what he does without any superpowers. Um, but anyway, it's I, I think that's why it works a lot better as opposed to some of the revisionist history that we're going to talk about that I don't like is kind of doing what you're saying, which is just saying like, oh, yeah, they were dirty and nasty and you just didn't yeah. know about yeah. it. And that to me often. <laughs> well, it's, it's it's like I mean, you can you can feel it in the experience of actually reading those comics, right? You don't read like Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Spider, not Spider-Man, like Fantastic Four and go like. Oh, well, you know, they're hiding all the violence from us, right? Like, you, you don't read that and say, oh, well, because of censorship. That You know, you read that and you take it at face value of, like, what the era was producing and, like, what those comics are. But when you do read the war comics from that era, you're like, oh, this is, you know, they're trying to do World War II, but clearly they have to make it kind of bloodless. And you can, like, there's almost, like, a subtext to it of, like, you're reading it with two minds. Yeah. Um, and they like soldiers die in those old war comics during like Nick Fury's screaming commandos. Like soldiers get killed all the time. <laughs> screaming commandos. Is that, is that what it, that what it's called? <laughs> I was dead serious with that. Am I wrong? It's the howling commandos. Oh, I love the oh, screaming it's that, commandos. It's not, it's not that far off. I know. I just that that to me is hilarious. They all just come in screaming at the top of their lungs. They come in howl at the top of their lungs. That's true. Uh, I mean, I guess they weren't. Uh, what, what's Oh my god, that guy who's got like a battle cry. Um Dum Dum Dugan. When, yeah, he's got some Wahoo <laughs> Thank you. I was hoping you would just know what it was. Of course. Uh yeah. Um, do you think I mean this this is probably the most successful big retcon in Big Two comics. Ooh. Period. Right? Like there's a few that work. You know, DC's got I don't know how to if you should dance around it. 
for people who haven't read it, but like there's uh, another spoilers you know, will follow. Please continue. Zach. Just for a second, uh, Jason Todd, right, coming back, um, which is right happens. around this same time period. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think I remember like in those comics, but like yeah, under the Red vital? Hood is like, is definitely a a comp. I yeah. this to me has more weight. Um, I think part of that is just there's more time passed. Sure. You know, I also think it is it is a more inventive solution. I think it is tied in a much more interesting saga to me. And I, I definitely was a fan of Under the Red Hood when I read it the first time. I think it is a successful Batman story, but it is not like it is not the centerpiece of an era defining run. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, and I, yeah. I do. Th- so I would, I would say, Winter Soldier is is a better, and but a even more successful. Anything example. else? Like, I mean, that that's the one that comes to mind. But I can't think of anything else where like a big. Re- I mean, Sins Past, obviously number one. Like that <laughs> Sins Past, clear record. number one. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them that happen right around this time. Brubaker is going to write X Men Deadly Genesis. We're going to see one happening there. That is nowhere near as which good. I've read and I kind of remember liking, but it's not. I like, the second. The second modern one that comes to mind that I like better than anything is House of X number two. Um, I was I was just thinking of that, and it's kind of it's weird because it's not like it's kind of a retcon, but it's kind of also just like it, it's like adding it could to be. the world. It, it's yeah. somewhere between a retcon and just addition. It so, is retcon yeah. adjacent. It is retcon possibility. Uh, Winter Soldier is yeah. more successfully um, developed. Well, for it's sure. also like yeah, Winter Soldier is here to stay from now on. Right. Yeah, like, yeah, that too. He right. brings him back, and it's not like, oh, you know, he's here for this run. It's a great retcon, and then you know, no one uses him again. Like, he Bucky's here. Bucky becomes a mainstay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he looks cool. Let's talk about. I that. love that. I do love the design. The USSR cool. <laughs> red star on the metal arm. The, the metal long arm, flowing is, hair. The Colossus arm is great. The yep. black mask. I, you know, my the first time I ever encountered the Winter Soldier was in the first <laughs> Ultimate Alliance video game. And uh-huh. I don't, have you ever played those? No, so uh, he just c- the X-Men one. He comes in, you know, because you, you encounter a villain a minute in those games, right? It's just kind of, you know, the whole Marvel Universe is coming at you. And Winter Soldier comes in, and he's like, I'm going to get you, Captain America. I'm a supervillain. I'm going to take you down. Like, just all this, like, very stock-and-trade supervillain talk. So I thought the Winter Soldier was just, like, another new bad guy. Right, who like mm-hmm. you know fights alongside Crossbones and like there's no <laughs> there's no indication of what hit and I thought he would look kind of corny at the time in the video game at least right it's just like what all right cool. just this like long haired angry guy with a gun <laughs> like what's what's interesting <laughs> yeah. about him you know um, but I think Efting sells the heck out of it as as the super assassin and you know and then a guy came in uh, stomping on stilts and you were like woo here we go. <laughs> This is my speed. Finally, a realistic depiction of the <laughs> right. real world. Now as it this is a villain. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Um, you know what? Still, man, I don't think is in any of the Ultimate Alliance games, which definitely, uh, oh, man. it definitely suggests to me there should be a fourth where he is the they main. <laughs> they can't uh, use that engine to create characters that tall. You're right. You're right. They probably yeah. haven't developed it technology yet to make a video game that good ultimate alliance stiltman i'm looking it up oh there's no uh, way there's no way i'd have forgotten stiltman they did a goal they did a. <laughs> I did find a <laughs> sorry i found a game facts forum post from october 2023 yep li- literally one month ago today where's stiltman for marvel unlimited uh-huh. 2 <laughs> uh-huh that's it they, they didn't 
put any more information. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm always I'm always starting game facts forums, trying to get this going. Let's <laughs> try how to how I try to get the ball rolling. And then people being like, "Where's Maggot?" <laughs> yep. People want Maggot. Yep. Okay, that's really funny. Uh, 2023. People are still clamoring for Stiltman in the game facts forum, as they should be. That pressure. It's sh- not even Ultimate Alliance three. That's the really funny. Part. Well, and I think it's, it's I just Alliance think it's 2. kind of embarrassing that you know the MCU is sitting here going like, "Oh, who can we replace Kang with?" and like the answer is so obvious. The answer has been mm-hmm. the answer has been above our heads this whole time, Zach. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> um, I have a, a kind of a slightly unrelated question, but it got me thinking. Mm-hmm. It, it's a Red Skull question. Uh, Red Skull and Cap have that like really special. They have that really special relationship <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> the villain hero relationship where they feel so like deeply tied to each other. Like they feel like. You know, their identities are tied up in the other one, like, existing in the struggle against the other one. Skull's literally in a cloned body of Steve Rogers right now as well, which I love. Oh, yeah. I love that detail carrying <laughs> right. through. It's, yeah, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, And I was just trying to think, like, how many other heroes have that, like, one defining relationship? It's like Batman and Joker, right? Yeah, sure. And I can't, I couldn't really think of anyone else in Marvel who has that. I mean, Bat or Superman and Lex Luthor, maybe. That's not uh, Marvel, you goofball. No, I know, but I'm just trying, like, besides, you know, there's only a few. I of mean, these, Spidey like, really Green like... Goblin, but I guess with Spidey, his rogues <sighs> gallery is deep like... enough that it's not, yeah, I... it's not a one-to-one. Because, you know, I kind of think you could equally pitch Spidey and, like, Doc Ock. Doc Ock, Ock right. Right. But, so it doesn't feel like, you know, and it's like Fantastic Four and Galactus, kind of. Mm, well, Fantastic Four you and know... Doom. I mean, Reed Richards and Doom. Doom, yeah, okay. Yeah, Fantastic Four and Doom. But then again, like, I... I, I don't have that feeling where like Daredevil and there, still there's man. so much <laughs> there's so much Daredevil and Kingpin actually that's a good kind one of get there for me where I feel like they're just so like tied in with such like rich history and like thematic cohesion where you just kind of feel like Thor and Loki the, the, the yeah, yeah I guess I don't actually know if I'm like I don't know I, I don't feel the like strength of that Ant Man and uh, Egghead antagonism <laughs> I don't know who Egghead is. <laughs> I do think you need yeah. it definitely limits how great your stories can be when you don't have a 1A arch villain, yeah. you know, yeah, I yeah. think. Like there's there is just that you get that like endorphin rush. Is that right? Dopamine rush. What do, what do endorphins do? Do they do the same thing? Yeah, I don't know. You should, you should know. <laughs> yeah. You get a rush. <laughs> You're the scientist. Come on. You get a rush when the Red Skull shows up. Right? It, it's a it's a very easy shorthand to say, oh, this baby matters now, right? This is big stakes cap stories. But that is also a danger. There is also, that can be a crutch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it can yeah. be like, well, if you totally. if you don't have the goods and you're not delivering, now you're just wasting I think somebody else. I think as we awesome. saw with Starling, Star, Starling, Sterling, wait, Jim Starling? Jim Sterling. Jim, Jim now, Jim Starling is the name of Darkwing Duck's alter ego in the DuckTales reboot. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm <laughs> it's Jim. Jim Starling, you Looney Tune. Jim Starlin. Yeah. I was like, something's wrong about the way I'm saying this. Like Jim Starlin with Thanos every year coming back over and over. You know, like. Diminishing return put, kind of thing, maybe. Pushing that button in the 90s just a few too many times. And it's like, none of this is bad, but also, you know, like. He works really well, used sparingly, and then there is like we got to a saturation point. Well, and Thanos is with one him. of Thanos's problems is he's the opposite, where he's an arch villain in need of an arch hero. And yeah, he doesn't really have Starlin <laughs> fully commits to Adam Warlock, but I actually think that yeah. Warlock never quite 
after Infinity Gauntlet, after the Infinity Watch stuff, there's diminishing returns there, I think, um, yeah, with I Warlock. Think. And you have, obviously, Captain Marvel in the 70s, so he's kind of rotated players. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a good point, right? Like, the Skull shows up. It's You know that's going to be a big Cap story, even when he's killed. You know, that that is just such an indicator of, like, a, a confident creative team, potentially, you know? Yeah. Or, it, like, yeah. it could, I mean, I don't know, people maybe reading the first issue are like, I'm out. This can't, you know, cheap, like, cheap fake out. Yeah, right? yeah. Like it could, sure. You could read it that way, but I think it's done with enough, like, like it sets the stage for the uh, the whole run. I think tonally, well, if it, nothing else. And you see Bendis I mean, do it with Kingpin and the Daredevil stuff too, right? Where it's like, well, Kingpin's out of the picture, and then he's back, yeah. and then he's out of the picture, and then he's back. You know, so it's like, I think there's a there's a smart pacing element to be like, all right, let's take this out, let's show this thing that's going to get everyone excited, let's. Let's cloak him for a minute, and then we'll bring him back for the big end game kind of stuff. Um, yeah. That's definitely the game plan here, I think, as well. I, I love so these comics. I, I I think yeah, these are yeah, – there's a reason these books have the reputation they do, I think. Um, so we read, like, the first 14 issues here all in one go just to do the full Winter Soldier. We, we did skip 10. You did 1 through 9 well, yeah. and 11 through 14, and I was like, what is – like – you are so persnickety <laughs> with like, oh, well, 10 is not essential. And I was like, you yeah. know, I'm going to read it and spite him. But uh-huh. no, it's a House of M tie-in that's totally unrelated. And you were right to leave it out. So I'm sorry that <laughs> I was cursing you silently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my breath to myself. Yeah. Because um, sometimes you're like, we're going to read the whole Daredevil run, except for this one issue. <laughs> and I'm often like, you could just leave it in. Everyone's going to read it anyway. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, well, so, this yeah, speaking but, of read it anyway, I mean, this is a read it all run. I think well, okay. Um, that's what I was going to ask because I have I have heard like that this is the part of the run that's good, and then after this, people are like, ah, and then it falls off. Really? I I got that. Well, I got that specifically from one person. <laughs> so maybe. <laughs> uh, uh, I completely I disagree like, with that. Completely disagree. Okay. I actually think my favorite my favorite stuff has not happened yet for sure. Oh, good, good, good. I'm glad. I think it gets better uh, as I'll... it goes, and then at a certain point, it'll tail off. Uh, but we are years away from that. Um, let's see. I'm looking at five, the eight years. Yeah. So I'm looking at the 2006 list. We're going to read. We're going to read a lot of it. We're going to read issues 15 to 21. And then it's going to run into Civil War. And then it's going to kind of be if you want to do this full Civil War experience, you can read that. And mm-hmm. then we're going to we're definitely going to read. Yeah, we got a lot of cap coming. I mean, we're going to read a lot of this as part of the club. But Hell if yeah. there's stuff we don't yeah, include, yeah, yeah. like, listen, it's a read it all. Oh, yeah. I mean, I definitely will. Yeah. Um, here's my criticism. I got one critique. Okay. I think the action is kind of bland. I think it is of the style of action that is least interesting to me, which is just the, like, single snapshot of, like, here's a pose of Captain America. Yeah. You know, throwing a shield, doing a punch, uh, and then, you know, here's the next moment, 20 seconds later in the fight or whatever. I think the actual panels are not that exciting or dynamic or brutal. Like, they, they don't do that much for me and then i don't feel like the flow of the action at all and i'm gonna say weirdly enough i have one good thing to say about extremists and it's that it does that thing well (laughs) so you know if you combine these two comics into one singular comic then they would be terrible but they would have good action um yeah because i think extremists has really good action in the way that i'm kind of talking about okay well speaking of bad action let's address uh extremists i don't think we've talked about Warren Ellis in the 616 My Marvelous Year Club yet? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. He, he um, did the car- Carnage stuff. Right? Oh, geez. That, and the, uh, that's right. Carnage Mind Bomb. I feel like something else, too. Uh, 
But there's some yeah, Thor I, stuff we, in the ninety. You know, you're right. There's there's lesser yeah. Ellis stuff that we probably did talk about. Times, the yeah. caveat with Warren Ellis, incredibly celebrated comics creator, is uh, over the past couple years since we've been doing My Marvelous Year, it was revealed that he had participated in uh, well documented harassment of dozens upon dozens of women. I think there was a website. It's called So Many of Us. Is it dot com? com yeah. yeah, So Many of Us dot it, com. It's it's wild. You know, the thing is, like, what's really interesting is, uh, you go re- through that and read it, and it's like, um, it's like a PhD thesis <laughs> on like the abuses of Warren Ellis. Yeah, because it is interesting seeing like, um, it, it it's so well documented that like if you read any one account, you'd be like, okay, well, I don't know, that kind of sounds like. You know, like you had a bad experience with the guy. Mm-hmm. Is that really? Mm-hmm. And then you read this and you're just like, oh, wow, this is, you know, like this crazy series, uh, this pattern, this history. Um, yeah. Anyway, go check it out if you're curious. It, as it always, highlights you know, the reasons. Uh, well, the just again, like you said, incredible documentation around why it's kind of impossible to be positive about the individual. Um, and, obviously this and like the grace and dignity of like the people who put this together uh, is, is kind of incredible and also you know like the path forward to re- redemption that they laid out for him that he you know has blown off and anyway it our usual caveat of you know if you don't want to be supporting or reading Ellis stuff you know it's it's up to I think I, I we just we I, don't judge anyone for bowing out of it yeah no I, I would totally understand I think um yeah. I do just I I don't think I've ever seen anything as comprehensive as like so many of yeah, us.com yeah, yeah. in terms it's of really, like yeah. here's everything and but then like you just said like here's also like here are the ways forward um like to be to have just like the women themselves who were abused in their ways like documenting that and then i don't it's just it's kind of incredible uh recommend checking yeah. it out uh, okay iron man extremis has been adapted into iron man 3 the mcu kinda, film kind of well kinda. no totally <laughs> a little bit i, <laughs> I mean, that, I mean there's, there's, there's some it is not a direct it is not as nearly as direct an adaptation as winter soldier i i don't disagree with that yeah, but that's it is, tr- it is oh yeah we are covering two huge mcu yeah polls yeah I, I guess i mean as as this podcast's iron man 3 defender love that movie one of my favorite mcu wish i'd never rewatched uh, it or i would have agreed with you stupid stupid you're stupid (laughs) (laughs) really really sink into a just straight playground bullying name calling now (laughs) sorry um (laughs) yeah i mean it takes the nanotech it takes the like in like turning your body into an iron man and then it takes the names of two characters and i think that's about the extent of it yeah because like the guy who kills himself at the beginning here the doctor who kills himself yeah he's a guy Guy pierce's yeah he's like the main villain through the run um, the Mandarin stuff is not there. I just, you know, I, here's the thing. I'm getting upset because I love Iron Man 3 and I don't like these comics, so I don't want them compared. You like the movie so, more than the comics um, version of if this. If you say the opposite, I will lose my mind. Are you going to say I, I like, like the comic more than the movie? Uh, the fact I like the use of it. the... I like what it does for Iron Man as far sure. as extremist technology and that concept. Yeah. I like okay. the way that is developed yeah. in the comics definitely more than what comes of the MCU. Um, the other thing that it does better, but it's something that the third movie is not trying at all. I mean, the, the irony of this is it also kind of provides the template for Iron Man 1 and the modernized origins of Tony Stark. Here, let me, let me, here just, here's a list of the things I think this comic does very well. One, it really hones in on Tony Stark's origins as a arms dealer, as a weapons manufacturer, and getting back to that 
initial Stanley Jack Kirby premise of this guy has done great harm in the world. He is designed to be unlikable, right? Incredibly wealthy off of deadly weapons. And now here is his redemption arc of trying to make up for that. It gets back to that, which I think Iron Man comics can, it's always there, but you can often kind of get away from it. It really recenters that in a modern context. A lot of the, a lot of the modernization is just like literal changing of dates, right? Instead of Vietnam, yeah. he's there in Iraq. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You, like, Sa- oh, it's yeah, sad Captain, how easy a switch that is, but uh Captain but America works. also did the same thing. We didn't talk about this, but like Nick Fury talks about like Cap being dug out of the ice like in the late eighties, early nineties or something. And you're like, oh whoa. whoa. Yeah, they're willing yeah. to actually address yeah, time scales. I think say it out loud. I think yeah. it's because everyone's reacting to nine eleven specifically and they're like, Okay, we have a date here that we need to we need to have our characters around because we are we've integrated a real world terror into our own universe you know i feel like there's maybe more willingness as because i feel like now they've kind of reverted back to like the vagueness of a sliding time scale where it's kind of like the Mm -hmm. like if you're trying to like actually map out on a a timeline when things happen like i don't think marvel cares to help you do that you know i Mm -hmm. I don't think that's yeah oh yeah important to them and you shouldn't you shouldn't care (laughs) i listen i like continuity i don't like timelines and mapping to dates. I think that is a fool's yeah, errand yeah. and it just does not matter for enjoying story. Um, but Wallace is doing that here, I think in part just to recenter again, kind of like what the perception of Tony should be, right? And how is he using and has used his gifts historically? I think it does that well. Um, the second thing I like is the actual development of Tony being like, all right, let's put the extremist technology into my body to make my organic self a living Iron Man suit connected to all of my technology. That's just cool as hell. <laughs> it's really, it's, it's really cool sci-fi. Cool, uh, yeah. I love it. I love what it does for Iron Man in this era. It's very cool. Warren Ellis, I think it, here's the, <laughs> it is kind of nice having someone, uh, you know, so thoroughly canceled. Cause I normally wouldn't be like, yeah, this guy's stupid as hell. But <laughs> I would be like, this comic's stupid, but yeah. yeah, he, he reads as like, the smartest guy in your college dorm hall <laughs> who likes to like hold court mm, uh mm. here specifically like i've read stuff where i think he comes across as much more intelligent and like kind of does that hickman thing where you're like wow this guy knows a lot about the topic and he's you know like condensing something you know complicated and interesting into something that's like fun for the layman right yeah. like x-men powers of 10 with the like singularity mind stuff that's not that was my that was my nickname in my college dorm hall was the singularity l- mind no. <laughs> i was gonna oh. say the layman but <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's good um and it feels like he's trying to do this here he does a bunch of stuff here where like his characters are i don't know talking at length about some large idea of you know, war ethics or science or whatever and it always seems so dumb to me there's a part here and i know i'm being like you're gonna argue with me here i, I know it he talks the the scientist who makes extremists is explaining how it works and it's like an infection right yeah yeah, yeah. and uh, wasted rebecca hall in iron man 3 biggest problem with iron man 3 is she does not get nearly yeah yeah it's wasted character. she's really good in what she gets but um they inject this stuff into somebody and it goes into the, like the base of the brain. Uh-huh. And she writes, she says something like, you know, we inject it into the part of the brain that holds the blueprints for the whole body. When you get injured, 
the body references this part of the brain mm-hmm. to, you know, heal itself to say, oh, this is what you should fix yourself to look like. Yeah. And so we rewire that part of your brain so that it now builds your body as like extremists, right? It changes all yourself. That is so stupid. <laughs> it's so stupid. I know you're going to say, no, it's fun because it's stupid. But the thing is, if you know science, like DNA, it's in every cell and that's cooler, right? Like it's just like, it's so fundamentally dumb. And if you have like a high school biology understanding, like you don't have a part of your brain that. So to, all right. what would happen if you, you cut your finger and then your finger has to talk to your brain to figure out what to do with it? No, it's in every individual cell. That's the cool part is every cell knows what to do. Zach, so, Zach. Oh, I got, got so irritated. <laughs> Zach, your science, your actual science knowledge is for sure getting in the way of the tried and true comic book science. I don't, but I don't let me, let me say, like, hang on, hang on. Okay, 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 sorry. I actually don't disagree with you in this particular book because yes. Ellis is so yes. proud of his popular science subscription and yeah. he <laughs> he is referencing it so hard that it's like, all right, if you're going to commit to this is the sci-fi science adaptation, you kind of do have to get some stuff right. <laughs> and you can't like just wing it to the degree of Stanley the Manly in the 60s. You know what I mean? I think Which if is you're... fun and fine. Like as a comparison, Ultimate Iron Man just happened and we have... Ultimate Iron Man is incredibly Iron Man. stupid for the... Let's be, let's but be clear, I, but it's a... But it really, is kind of a fun stupid. Like that kind of stuff is kind of fun where it's like... Yeah, his whole body is his brain, and he's blue, and he breathes through his <laughs> yeah, skin, yeah. and like his ner- his like brain is exposed through his skin because his whole body is brain. Like that stuff's really fun. I can get behind that stuff. This like wants to convince. Well, you and you've cool you've long been idea. running the free Orson Scott card card. You've been, you've been playing the Orson Scott card card for years now. Uh, really, <laughs> really trying to celebrate. Yeah, too thoroughly unpleasant. Iron Man was just creators. owned, which is kind of appropriate for Iron Man. I guess maybe. Maybe should all, maybe Elon Musk can write Iron Man next. Um, here's here's also the thing. Despite the fact that I don't like this comic yeah. much at all, it is also like yeah, I kind of see why you would just hand this to somebody because Iron Man. Like I just rewatched the first Iron Man mm-hmm. and I was watching it, being like, man, this doesn't make me want to go read Iron Man comics at all because I just know what's out there and there's so little, uh, hmm. to, you know, to recommend for like Iron Man comics. That I mean, like this, you know, what we have the Demon in the Bottle run. What, who's that? Um, Denny O'Neill. No. no. Is it David Michelinie? Yes. Yeah. Michelinie. No, that, that's not Denny? No, Hang on. Hang on. Hold the phone. I don't know where you're... Anyway. Are we missing yes. demon in a bottle? This is embarrassing. I'd like to apologize to all the demons. It's Michelinie, though. You got it right. And all the no, bottles. You're, you're definitely right. It's, uh... Yeah, there's just not that many good Iron Man comics, so I got <laughs> This still is, like, top five Iron Man comics for me, which is a wild thing to say. It's David Michelinie with, with Bob Layton and John Romita Jr. Mm-hmm. I'd like to apologize mm-hmm. to the Michelinie family. I'd like to apologize mm-hmm. to the Layton family. Denny O'Neill, for sure. And I would definitely like to apologize to Denny O'Neill. <laughs> the, what I do like about this comic, I think the actual... Okay, so he does a lot of... He does a lot of, like, the warmongering, you know, is he a war criminal posturing stuff? He gets interviewed by a documentarian. It's weirdly, like... It's pretty easy to walk away from that scene, and I don't actually think this is what Ellis is doing, but it's easy to walk away from that scene with the documentarian and go, yeah, he just roasted that guy. <laughs> like, he's, oh, you know, see, like I the don't, guy. there's a little bit of that moment of like, I gotcha, like, you a little for? bit of a gotcha yeah. at the end, but I, I feel like it's kind of a shared 
Like, I, I actually think one thing that's done quite well is Tony doesn't know if what he's doing makes up for his crimes. I think, you know, there's this, it's, listen, it's ham-fisted and it's a lazy metaphor, but he has a hard time looking at himself in the mirror, right? And that is meant to reflect the fact that he, when he was 19, built these incredible technologies, genius technologies that are now used to like blow up children in Iraq. You know what I mean? Like these landmines and things. Mm -hmm. I think that stuff should haunt him. And I think there's part of the Iron Man heroic journey is just like this kind of like Sisyphusian quest to make up for that. But he can't ever do it. He can't undo the Stark technologies that have been used to kill and maim in the wrong ways. I think there's a genuine, there's an interesting to me questioning of military applications of science. There seems to be kind of a probing question of, you know, taking military funding to get science off the ground and kind of all the mm-hmm. flaws and problems with that. I think that stuff's actually pretty good. Um, it raises questions in Iron Man that are that are at least interesting questions to me. Don't you think? I just don't think like, no, because I think they're like not really unsettled questions. I think it's pretty easy to look at this and to, if you put it in a real world context to go, yeah, this is an extremely evil guy, <laughs> right? But like, that's but CEO that is not how people read Iron Man. You're well, challenging know, the you're challenging the like decades long perception. Of yeah, so they don't talk about it, right? Like it's kind of one of like, but that's can, but that's more cowardly to not talk about it. I think it's just like if you if you really want to get into it, then it has to be you know like just asking questions. It, it feels very. I mean, by the end of this, also, it ends on a very super heroic note of him being like, "I'll be able to sleep at night because I." stopped one villain like and you know well and, and arrested his you know best friend here <laughs> <laughs> who also wanted to use the power for a more uh humane purpose than right. what iron man does it was like she literally did a much smaller version of what he does actively and she you know is framed as the villain and he's framed as the hero there's no he, the comparison i kept thinking of is that ultimate captain america jason aaron mini uh that i think does this really well of like doesn't completely just say like yeah this guy's a nasty little villain we hate him and i'm just you know like trashing on a character right but by the end really leaves you with like a bad taste in your mouth mm-hmm. i never had a bad taste in my mouth about tony stark in this comic i think the comic oh is I, way I, too, like, I do oh, i take no sides i definitely like, do yeah uh, yeah i think i, I mean i think maybe, it is I'm, meant maybe to... i'm misreading the tone here uh, that's possible i, I mean I, I do think yeah. I, i'm not saying you're doing this but i think there's a temptation now to reevaluate an Ellis written comic, I, I let me just say it this way: I have the temptation to reevaluate an Ellis written comic way more harshly. <laughs> like there is an openness to reevaluating his work because of the knowledge we have now of who he is as a person, and so I I find myself definitely walking this line of feeling maybe more critical because in the past, certainly, if somebody says like, "What's the best Iron Man comic of the two thousands?" You know, this is on my list. Like, there's no question asked. This is on my list. Um, when I reread it, I'm mildly disappointed by it, but I finding, I'm finding a number of things that I think it does well. If you go from, you know, the Busiak Sean Chen run into this, I would read this 75 times before well, I read the Ellis, stuff that he, just came in the previous five years. Yeah. You know? Well, he, Ellis is a really competent comic book writer. So, like, he, he is one of the best comic book writers of the modern era, I, I, but all the he stuff is, I'm objecting to you know, is like, humanly, personally has committed terrible acts, right? Sure. So, so I don't, I don't have, I don't think I have that 
because I never really like loved Ellis to begin with. Like I really like Planetary, and I think that's about it. <laughs> so like I'm a, I'm a big I, just... I was a big transmetro I am I I'm a big transmetropolitan fan. Um, I don't like <sighs> I Planetary as much as you, but I think it's very good. Uh, Transmetropolitan also has a very similar vibe to this, which is just like I would not reread it in the same populism, but without much like yeah. Anyway, well, what is what is the what is the what is the through line that you see between Extremis and Transmet? Oh, uh, I think he likes to just like dance around asking questions without like like Transmetropolitan also feels like yeah. I'm just provoking. I'm just asking questions, man. But like. I, also, I see you know, that said, cool. you know, how, I, how I don't want it to be critique? didactic. Like that that's not what I'm saying. I don't want this to just come out and be like six issues of saying like that's worse. bad is war, man. Yeah, yeah, that's war worse. War really is bad and I you can find interesting ways of making a critique of something without it just, you know, coming outright and saying it. Maybe I'm missing a little of that, but I don't think so. I think he kind of just likes to I don't know, play loose. I mean, this is also just six issues of one comic. Like it's not like I want to judge the whole man's like political <laughs> worldview and you know like political intelligence but the thing that i will say about this comic he's a really good comic book writer in like plotting and stuff in this comic like just moves and the actual like action and the super villain stuff all really works so i, I get why this is as successful as it is because even the dumb conversations between like iron man and Maya maya hansen's mentor and him which i think goes nowhere that was nothing that was so i, I that was way too long. <laughs> like, like <laughs> let me agree with you. By the end, I'm like, well, I, I don't know. Well, I'm also like, why are they sitting you know, and listening to this it. man just bloviate? Yeah. Um, you know, like, yeah. about the, their entire careers and everything they've done. I mean, it's, I think the point of it works with the theme of the comic, which is, you're a genius. What have you done? Um, you're a uh -huh. genius. Have you made yourself truly useful? Uh, but yeah, that that whole thing. I'm, listen, I'm a heads-talking supporter. I, I'm always resistant to the just like, fan argument of, oh, this issue was just people sitting in a room talking. I typically like that stuff. I did not enjoy that particular sequence. A comic that, a comic that asks, can Tony Stark be redeemed for his crimes? Yes. Right? Okay. Like Crimes Against Humanity, which this sets up that a lot of children have lost limbs because of his weapons. Uh -huh. Things that he sells directly kill children. If it wants to ask the question, you know, if he turns his back on that, and wants to redeem himself, is that possible? I think that's an interesting question. I think that's a question that you could set up and leave in a place of, like, people walking away saying, yes, no, I don't know, like, this, mm -hmm. you know, pitches a path for someone to try to do that, but can you ever do it? Like, that's kind of interesting. By the end, it doesn't, and I think it kind of just leaves all that to the side. I think you have to, drops. I think you have to, so I, I don't think this is, like, a perfect comic by any measure, but I do think you have to leave a degree of ambiguity when you're asking those types of questions, because to your point, if you try to come out and answer them more uh, just directly, I think you're going to kind of look like an idiot. <laughs> well, I'm, but I'm talking about like Miracle Man, right? Like, so we just yeah, have sure. okay. issues. That that leaves it in like, is that good? Is that what is what he did good? I don't know. Like, it just presents it matter of fact, and it leaves it really up to you. And the, Well, there's the also a lot of specificity tricky, about what he does. Um, right. That's what I mean. Like, I think a comic where you're trying to see Iron Man actively attempting to redeem himself instead of justify himself out loud. <laughs> I think the active uh, attempt, though, yeah. is all rooted in our knowledge of the history of Iron Man comics. We know what yeah. he's been doing. We know how he's been avenging. You know what I mean? Like, we know the good works. Yeah. We have seen the deeds. 
Um, I think this is kind well, of calling out. Well, if that's the out. answer that, like, I'm making up for my war crimes by being a superhero, then, like, I don't know. That's his I whole deal. Like, I, th- I think that is it. I think that is the answer. Yeah. And this is yeah, calling I mean, attention does, to that. He does say that. And, like, I guess that documentarian is like, do you think the kids who have lost, you know, arms to your landmines uh, think the Iron Man suit is cool? <laughs> Which is I like think that's a, a genuinely know. challenging Iron Man question. Mm. I like that. I don't know. I just, it doesn't, it doesn't go, like, I never felt icky about iron man and i think it should make you like squirm about the guy a little bit you know i feel like yeah it, you know but it's also it is a marvel comic you can't well I, totally you know just... what though like let's let's uh actually credit it on that front because both this and then black panther which i i'm gonna talk about with charlotte you're not gonna be on that one zach um but black panther does a, a similar thing maybe to an even heavier degree where it's like actually quite critical of the military um and it's quite critical of American foreign policy in ways. And I think there is a surprising willingness for Marvel comics to do that. I don't know. I guess throughout their history, they're kind of, there are these moments where they do it. Like Mark Grunewald turned Ronald Reagan into a lizard. Um, Steve Englehart, you know, <laughs> secret empire, right? Like Richard Nixon is the head of the secret empire, right? Like there's, it's not like commentary like that doesn't exist. Um, but I guess when I see it now, I'm kind of, I do have that moment of like, would Marvel have, the conviction to publish that commentary today? And I think a lot of times the answer is yes. And maybe it's not as, you know, because it, it is, it's a it's a relative credit thing, right? It's not the most scathing thing that's ever been said, but it is like within the confines of the work they're doing and the audiences they're trying to reach. Is it a little bold? Yeah. You know? I, I This is, okay, I'm going to take it into like a very, a much more political realm here, which I think the comic invites. It does. And, and, but it ends it what it does that irritates me and this this is you know this is a critique from my political point of view is that it turns what is a large structural issue <laughs> in like the weapons uh like military industrial complex and mm-hmm. the men who are you know just cogs in that mm-hmm. it turns that into a personal journey of redemption because at the end of this you know Maya Hansen is like i'm trying to do the same thing you are right i'm trying to like just take the military funding I have and use it to like heal people. Yes. I'm trying to trick trick this funding into being used for actual good. Right, right. There's no difference between us. And it ends with Tony Stark in a hero pose saying, you know, uh, she, she's like, you're no better than me. And he poses and goes, but I'm trying to be. And I'm going to look, be able to look myself in the mirror tomorrow morning. Which is, uh, let's just, like, that line is so bad. <laughs> with really all bad. of the and looking in the mirror stuff throughout like, this. Oh, it's yeah. so direct. Okay. So, like, that that angle of, you know, like, what matters is that the weapons dealer feels good about himself at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Not sure. Not that he, he, he literally materially tries to make amends, right? Like, which we, they can say in this comic, he says he uses the Iron Man costume. Like, you're saying the history is there, but, like, I think it sh- should have been more forefronted. Like, him actually trying to make up for it. I think that's a question of, like, could he, if he wielded all of his money and power towards trying to undo the harm he's done, like, can a billionaire donate their way out of the evil yeah, yeah, <laughs> that sure. they had to do to get the millions right. or the billions? I think that's interesting. We just don't see that. It's just about, like, him feeling better about himself. Well, and I so, do like, feel like, I think I agree with the... you in the sense that that is actually a more imaginative path of, like, Tony, Tony should have this experience, in my view, and be thinking about the ways... Stark Tech and all of his billions could be funding a person like Maya Hansen Science so they don't mm-hmm. need military funding. 
to me, that is the more imaginative actual path forward. What he's actually doing is developing the world's coolest cell phone. (laughs) Like it's not, it's not a one-to-one. And the fact that the comic doesn't seem to see that feels like a weird miss, you know, where it's just like, well, actually all we need to do is imprison this one person. And and you're right. It is a very, it's a very superhero comics way of thinking. Um, You know, we punched our way out of, out of the problem as opposed to what you just said, which I do think is, I mean, I don't know that we've, I, I'd be curious to see. Cause like, you, you know, you pointed out the Alan Moore miracle man, which to me is like one of the ultimate examples of somebody being like, here's my vision for what the world could be through the lens of miracle man. And you read it and it's like, Oh, some really cool ideas in here. Interesting. Uh, wonder how that would play like, out. Yeah. Right? I have to give up like most of my personal freedom, but like life seems pretty sweet. Yeah. You know, like, it, and that makes you uncomfortable. Like I still, it's a very interesting you know. thought experiment. I think unquestionably, yeah. I think yeah. that's actually a thing you could do with Tony because yeah. without the godlike power, he has the godlike money. Um yeah. Yeah. and y- you so rarely see it. I am just I don't know that you ever see it really. I think you know it's funny like I mean maybe this is just modern stuff but it's like there's creators are so often more interested in being like what if he lost all this money? And it's like, well what if he used <laughs> <Yeah>. it? <laughs> what if he did something yeah. with it? You know? Well cuz it's even like I don't think it's necessary you know like the billionaire who gives away all his money people are like well that's incredible that's you know what a selfless person but like who who is that person though who is that person i mean a few billionaires have done that of like i'm you know mapping out my wealth to be gone by the end of my life those are the stories Uh, i want to see reflected in an iron man comic but also questioned i think like yeah sure i think that's a really tricky complicated thing of like does it make it up for the fact that you made that money that now you are the person who is like i get to decide where it goes I'm the arbiter of where wealth flows yeah. and I get to decide like what causes are worth, you know, that's the, I mean, this is all effective altruism. Like we're getting, that's what I mean. I was like, now I'm starting to like get so many far layers, far removed from what this comic <laughs> is actually trying. Yes. But I do. think you're painting to me, at least you're painting to me. If that's a pitch for an Iron Man comic, I'm like, Oh, finally, somebody's doing it. You know what I mean? I want, all right, Dave. Listen, Zach. You, you put up the money. I'm right. Let's it. call CB right now. I think we've got it. And by we, got, I'm going to get you. Sam Bakeman freed on the line. He's going to help me co-write. <laughs> um, okay. All of my complaining about this comic aside, the action is really good. It's some of the best action I think we've read in modern comics hmm, for me. Interesting. Uh, the the there's one extremist guy. Oh, who's also like. Uh, white nationalist that was my that was uh, my additional piece that i liked is i had completely forgotten there was a domestic terrorism element to the to the who got the extremist powers um and they're just there's just a brief perspective of like really calling out the evils of that therefore but it's okay it's yeah, it is but, touched on so lightly it's like listen is it effective i don't know but it's i was like okay i actually like that detail i think that helps understand who this that- person is and what the danger is there's that one scene where the guy is sitting in a like a park bench with this uh girl that's what i'm thinking of yeah who's like you know uh this punk anarchist uh who looks too much like like maya hansen i was confused by that (laughs) sure uh and they have this like you know they connect on both like you know we hate the man we hate the government and then that morphs into him talking about like you know the purity of the white race or whatever yeah yeah (laughs) and she's like oh you know go you know back to your uh inbred you know whatever she starts like making fun of him Mm -hmm. like get away from me you hick and then like i really effective paneling here right in the middle of the conversation like smash cut to her bloody body on the ground uh like really effective um 
way of doing that i think of like just the the this guy's violence and you know temper and everything what do you um, what what do you love so much about the action because i find the 80 grand of art it feels like i was saying earlier it feels very of the era to me um I, I don't I think like it's a failure or anything of, like that. I think it works yeah. for Iron Man. I just I I would never have come away from this and been like, oh man, the action. Like, what what is it to you that that works? Well, I think it's like played out beat by beat, right? Like you get to see these individual moments of the uh, you know the, the punches, the hits, right? Like he, it feels like five pages of the comic are like fifteen seconds of a fight, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. you get to feel like the hits uh, instead of like. Here's one big highlight of a fight and then cut to 20 seconds later of a highlight. It's more than just like action poses. Yeah. Right? You feel like the, you know, it feels kind of like emulating like storyboards of a movie. Um, sure. Which I, think I do think really one of, well. one of Alice's and, and greatest I think it looks cool. Like through this the era. violence looks. Oh, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. Go on. No, no, please. Well, please the, continue. I, I think the violence that uh, he captures is really good. I think like he, um, the extremist guy is like knocking heads off, punching through people's faces and stuff. Yeah. And I think the, this like digital art style really lends itself to that. Like, I don't know if it's fully digital. There's something digital about it. Um, it's clo- It's not nearly as good, but there's something a little Esau Ribich. Yeah, Ribich, Ribich. I say Ribich. Uh, about it a little bit. I think it's maybe more successful in motion than it is just people sitting around talking. Um, that part's not as exciting. But I think like the moments of action here are all really effective. Um, yeah, yeah. That first scene where the extremist guy breaks out. And it's like intercut with the conversation between Tony and his two friends. And we're just seeing this guy like breathe fire and burn a bunch of people mm-hmm. and like punch their jaws off and stuff. I think there, there is a body horror element too to the development yeah. of Extremis that I think works yeah. pretty well. You know, it's kind of gross. Um, it's kind of nasty. Uh, interesting. And it is a cool idea. Like it is fun. It's a cool idea. It, yeah, it is. It is interesting that this is like the Iron Man comic. I mean, you know, you know better than I would. But like between this comic and today 2023 yeah is there another like i want to get into iron man what should i read yeah there is and they get there is stuff because okay. that, that, that's what i was going to say is like because my first thought was like this is the go-to iron man book and it's like no if you look at the next you know number of years there's there's at least one run that definitely is bigger um well maybe not bigger but i think maybe more critically acclaimed uh the, i think the biggest difference without spoiling anything <laughs> is it's very rooted <clears throat> in the continuity of the time. Whereas this, like yeah. you highlighted, you know, it's, de- it's continuity devoid, right? Like it is as, whereas Brubaker and Epting were, are so thoroughly writing about the history of Captain America. You know, you kind of said like Ellis is completely ignoring all of it. I mean, it's I think true, right? Like I mean, there's no, and, yeah. well, and it's, I, I actually think, I don't know. I do tend to like that kind of integration, but I, I think if you're going to talk about the harm Tony's caused, it does, there would be some credibility to that to reference, you know, specific elements of the character's history. Cause like everything, everything that is here is kind of invented for this, right? Like the, everything is new. The crimes are new. The being 19 in the garage, creating these weapons. All of this is like reinvention of Mm -hmm. Tony's history, Mm -hmm. as opposed to referencing things that we've seen, or even just like taking a kernel of early to Iron Man and mm-hmm. and extending it, you know? Yeah. Like, it's really, I don't know. There's It's interesting to consider, like, I'm talking about all these franchises really taking a chance to to figure out what they're going to be for the 2000s and, and the differentiation between that and just doing an Ultimate Universe version of things. Um, 
I don't know that Ellis's Iron Man is an Ultimate Universe version, but it kind of could be. You know, uh, I think it's it's a way more oh, boring yeah, version yeah. than the one yeah. we got, frankly. <laughs> you know, Blue baby. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, even the even frankly, the Mark Miller and Hitch Iron Man interpretation. I, I, I... Do you have to stop saying blue baby, which is an actual like, you know, medical condition when babies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've I've seen one. It's not good. <laughs> it's uh... yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's very traumatic for any parents out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but I keep for... you're talking about like alien blue, not even. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the iron, the Tony Stark baby. Um, but no, I think like this is a yeah, it's it, there's such fascinating runs to compare to each other because Winter Soldier is the comic book lover's dream in like every regard. And uh, an extremis is kind of just looking and being like all right if i just i need to make iron man cool for 2005 how do i do that right or like i need to make iron yeah. man relevant for 2005 yeah. how do i do that um in some ways it works although i, I don't think in some ways it doesn't but it's, do it's a very easy book stage? to hand to people yeah i don't know if this sets the stage for like like i'm not like where does it go from here except for like he's got new tech it's kind of a power tech upgrade so. which you know iron man so often is sure. just reduced fun, to in terms like... of like what's the new armor Right. Like this is yeah. it's not really that different than what's the new costume armor. It's just um, yeah. it actually is a power set that is going to allow Tony to do things he couldn't do before. I do think it's interesting in that regard. We're going to see that come to life a little bit. You know, um, mm-hmm. I think other, like and this is, you know, Alice is done. Right. He does six issues over the span of like a year and a half. Like this book's slow coming out. If you look at the release yep. dates, um, if I was reading this in the moment, man, I don't it's. It's actually kind of weird this guy's high impression and higher perception as it does. I feel like fans were probably pretty annoyed. But uh, Wait, was that him or was that Granov, do you think? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. yeah that's, that's an interesting question. That's not that good of a question. but <laughs> <laughs> We better get to the bottom of this. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, um, I mean, it's yeah. you know it's going to go in other hands from here. Yeah. And, uh, and other creators are going to have to figure out what to do with this. But yeah, it's, it's not... Yeah. Given its reputation, I can see why you'd be less into it. I certainly prefer, especially stacked. I, I had read this actually. Just uh, I read this when I was like eighteen or something. I remember okay, like yeah, yeah. You know, I wasn't like strongly critiquing stuff at the time. I'm sure I liked it just because it was like it moved as a nice little yeah, you know, superhero action mini. I think the run that it's closest uh, to that we read this year is is the Reginald Hudlin John Romita Jr. kickoff to Black Panther. Mm. Actually, I'll have to read that even though I'm not on the it's. Episode. Charlotte and I talk about it in detail, but like it is so weird and kind I of. I read the un- first issue and I thought it was weird. Yeah, <laughs> so. it's strange yeah. in the way it it modernizes. That one way more heavily feels like oh, it's Ultimate Black Panther, you know. But it's not, and that's what makes it. It's just kind of like it's kind of disorienting the whole time. Um, Extremis isn't. Extremis does integrate very seamlessly to their credit, right? If you're like do a modernization of Iron Man but keep it in six one six. I mean, this works. Like, it's not it's not hard to make that work, and it it stays that way for yeah. a while, you know. So, what's the next? What's like the Ellis thing that's going to be good in Marvel is next wave, right? That's, that's uh, I mean, that's my favorite historically. I don't think Warren Ellis is a I very mean, like, oh no, take it back. I, Actually, there's there's a few. There's a there's one Marvel Now thing that's very good, um, which is in 2012. Because like that Carnage that Carnage one off was kind of fun. I like that Carnage one off. He does that Ultimate Galactus trilogy, which is... Yeah, I don't, I don't love his Ultimate stuff at all, actually. Yeah, I think that's yeah. a pretty bad little run there. Um, although I do kind of like the... I think, as as I said on the show, I like that I, one idea of how to frame Galactus, but besides that, it's a pretty bad run. Um, yeah, anyway, not that much, Ellis. Next wave is to, yeah. next year. 
yeah we'll give that a go i'm Stuart imminent which i'm excited to see i am but i'm also like there was a very eh, i won't spoil it i i'm wondering how much a product of its era that is i don't know if that's going to hold up at all um but we shall see so yeah so this is 2005 part three from here we're going to be uh, you, maybe the episode's already come out. We got New Avengers and Young Avengers coverage. Oh, yeah. We're going to do House of M, you, which has not come out. We did have to, we had to delay this episode for some technical reasons, which is part three. Part four had to come out because we already had that done. And I thought, Dave, that you would just relabel part four part three <laughs> and we'd call this one part four. No, no. You put out part two and then part four. And now you're going to, this is part three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to drive people crazy. It is. Uh, I mean, it's driving me a little crazy, but it's going to drive some of our listeners crazy. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to that feedback. Uh, there, there is also, <laughs> there is also yes, a a, uh, a continuity snafu that happens because of this. Um, oh man! And oh, it's man. one that I don't care about. But it's if you follow the Comic Herald reading orders, you won't have this problem. But if you're playing my marvelous shooter, you will have this problem, and that is the presence of Nick Fury throughout the entirety of the Winter Soldier saga. Uh, mm-hmm. That does not work with where Secret War. Lend, I forgot about the ends, ends and then New so. Avengers begins. Um, yeah. So we did have this originally scheduled ahead of New Avengers to at least mitigate that confusion, but nope, not the way they came out. So <laughs> oh, whatever. I, I think it's very easy to hold those two things in your mind. Oh, time. you will be surprised how wrong you are. Uh, we're we're covering New Avengers and Young Avengers next. Oh no, not next. We already did. We're covering Excalibur, House of M. We don't. We really don't Excalibur have to time. say excalibur and house of m we're just covering yeah, house of that's m. fair it's <laughs> m and excalibur is the one tie-in you thought was critical enough that it's like a must read true okay i have seen some people in the slack reading they're like i'm doing the full house of m and i have yet to see anyone say that they're glad with that <laughs> everyone has been like i'm just waiting for one like they're like there's so many different comics with creative teams like one yeah. of these has to be good yeah and uh are, was, are you going to one. give the full house of m a shot i don't know no i'll probably jump around to like cherry pick the uh you know the tie-ins that seem interesting to me mm-hmm. probably just do the uh just the main thing so there are not to my memory it's not that long there are not exceptional tie-ins which given the framework is really disappointing because it feels like the sort of thing where there could be um but i'm i it's been mm-hmm. a while i haven't read it i mean i don't think i've probably read house of m the once when I early days of CBH, you know, when I was putting together the reading orders, so I probably haven't, I definitely haven't touched the tie in since, so I'm mildly yeah. curious. Yeah. Okay, I mean, I, I don't really have any context, so I'm looking now you, to you've said before that you just know the ending of House of M, but you really don't know any of the how or why we get there, yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, and and just knowing the end, I'm like, how do we get there? <laughs> it doesn't, yeah, make sense. So, we're gonna have to, when we finish the episode, we're gonna talk to you about is, is Convincible number two coming next? Is House of M coming next? We're gonna figure out exactly oh yeah convincible number two i think is we're, we're up on that right it's been it's been it's, it's been, been long enough and, and we've had all these we, we definitely we have to do it before christmas for sure i think convincible number two will be pre-christmas that seems fair we all yeah. we do also have our, then, our mmy holiday special coming up so if you have holiday questions yeah. or thoughts definitely get those in on the mime world your slack or um which you can you know find access to at patreon.com slash mime world year and i'm gonna make us watch that uh that Indian movie for Christmas. Which one is that? Uh, Jawan. That's right. I was J-A-W-A-N. hoping you'd remind me of this. You know what I did watch per your recommendation, which you probably don't even realize you recommended? So you told me, I told you I watched La La Land, and we talked a bit about that being kind of disappointing. Neither of us like that movie. Yeah, I 
hate it. I had a better time than my wife, but uh, yeah, I, I didn't I think it was like given it. the accolades. I, I was a little surprised either. it wasn't as good. Same. Um, yeah. Yeah, but you were like, it's not as good as Singing in the Rain. And uh, last night, my wife and I, I was just scrolling through every possible available movie. And I saw Singing in the Rain. I was like, let's give this a shot. And my wife was just like. Have you never seen it? I've never seen it. No. What, oh. I was I was not there in 1952 when, uh, <laughs> when Gene Kelly's Singing in yeah, the Rain was well, released. If you don't see it when it's released, then that's. Then the how could you see it? it? No. But yeah. uh, I was like, you know what? Zach just recommended this. I feel like it might be fun. My wife's like, I bet it's going to be boring. And we started watching it. Zach, it is so much fun. I'm having such a yeah. good time watching Singing in the Rain. I love it. I love it. I love it. Great wreck. It's so, I mean, it's so poppy, like it snaps, you know, and it's so funny that, uh, you know, that opening sequence is great with all the, the fake interviews. And Oh, yeah. Um, wait, did you watch the whole thing or are you we, watching it in pieces? We have 30 minutes to go because it got very late. Um, yeah. So we just have the ending to go. But uh, the the thing I love the most is I don't understand why every movie doesn't have tap dancing anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I'm baffled that we did away with that <laughs> yeah, <laughs> as a it trope. Kills me. It kills me that, like... Uh, dancing in movies is just so bland. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now. yeah. It's like the speed of the dancing too. I'm like, did they, yeah. like, are the reels sped up like eight times? It's like, are, are they actually dancing Gene, that fast? Gene Kelly is incredible. We watched a movie. <laughs> we watched a few Gene Kelly movies last year. Yeah. Um, one called The Pirate, where he's a guy pretending to be like a cool, tough guy pirate. Um, and he like does a, I don't know how to explain it. He seduces like a donkey. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um it's mystifying he does like a weird like he hypnotizes a donkey yeah a a dance to seduce it because because judy garland is wearing like donkey ears on her head Uh anyway and then he watched a movie called summer stock um where he does a whole dance and this is worth just looking up on youtube more than watching the movie um he does a dance with a piece of paper Uh uh-huh and it's like there's a single sheet of paper on stage with him and just him doing a tap dance where he like slides it around and kicks it and then breaks it up into multiple pieces and then like slides around stage it's i mean it's hard to describe i sound like i'm crazy being like he did no i can kind of i can like begin but, to imagine what this might be yeah if you look up summer stock gene kelly uh i'm sure you can find it because it's so cool he's great yeah. someone's at your door yes you can hear that as They're well insistent oh my god all right oh my goodness let's wrap this up what? yeah yeah what yeah okay good job uh see you next year i think that's yeah thank you disaster piece thank you everyone who listens zach i gotta go bye yeah all right (laughs) goodbye everyone bye bye p.s for uh people who are wondering why dave had to run a kid through a baseball into his backyard and needed it back right now okay bye everyone Uh